You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, we are back in uh, the book of Romans this week, next week, and then we turn our attention to the book of Esther. So if you want to even be starting to kind of prepare for the summer, you can read the book of Esther. Uh, we're calling it the God who was not there. And then we're taking the word not and crossing that out because uh, he is very present in the book. But if you read the book of Esther, the God is not mentioned uh, in the entire book. So it's kind of a fascinating book. I, I think it's highly relevant uh, to the culture that we live in today. And uh, how, do we, how do we as believers live out our lives in the midst of a culture who has turned its back on God? And uh, so that's going to be a great time together, uh, studying God's Word, and then we're into the book of Genesis in the fall. So if you, if you want to get ahead, those are the books you want to look at. Uh, we've uh, uh, just been so encouraged in our study of the book of Romans. And even as of uh, going through greetings uh, last weekend, being reminded of their love and care for one another, how they, how they really genuinely uh, uh, had devotion for one another, that they were united in the mission. Uh, these things are, are highly encouraging to us as believers. They're reminders of what we should be striving for together. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were looking at the fact that living out our lives on a day-to-day basis, uh, we, we, we plan our steps, but the Lord is the one who directs those steps. And, and we kind of live our lives, we have our priorities, but we, we understand that sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers in exactly the same way that we had thought, but that God is good and that his ways are higher than our ways and our, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And as we get to the text today, there's like this, almost like this unexpected interruption. He, he just gave 26 greetings last week, and next week, as you look at, we'll look at 21 through the end of the chapter, he continues on with greetings, but these four verses in between, he's like, hey, heads up, there's a threat. There's an enemy that you need to be aware of. And, and you're like, oh, okay. And, and, and it's like, He's, he's been talking about the unity that we enjoy, but there's a, there's a threat to our unity. There's a threat to the church, and that threat doesn't come in the way that we would normally think about it. Uh, a lot of times we think the greatest threat is out there, right? It's the government. It's the government. We gotta, we gotta protect ourselves against the government. That's where our greatest threat is, and all our focus is on that. And the Bible rarely even talks about that. And we, as we went to Romans 13, it's like, obey the government, right? Except when they tell you something in the word that you can't do, then you're like, okay, we can't do that. And then you just kind of go with the consequences. Maybe it's Hollywood. Now, I looked, there's no Greek word for Hollywood, but, but the Hollywood's out there, right? The, you know, the entertainment industry that kind of sways our attention. Maybe that's our greatest enemy. That's not our greatest enemy. What about the fact that our whole education system is being hijacked right now? And basically, it's the anti-God curriculum that's being forced upon our children. Is that the greatest threat? Now, all these, all these things will have their impact on our lives. They'll make it hard on us. It'll, it'll make it inconvenient for us. And, and it actually might even ramp up to the point where you and I might be in jail for our faith, or we could even lose our, fa- or lose our lives because of our faith. But that's still not our greatest threat. The greatest threat comes when someone comes into this pulpit and starts to preach things that the Bible doesn't say. That's our greatest threat. When we hold to the word of God, when we stand firm together, the enemy, they can't do anything against us. It's like Paul says, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's our focus together. And so Paul's saying, look, look out. Look out, look out, look out. Now, only since the foundation of the church has that happened, right? 
for the last 2,000 years, there have been continual attacks within the church. And this is what we need to be aware of this morning. That we need to understand that, that our greatest enemy comes within this building. And what are we going to do about it? How do we guard against it? That's what Paul's going to be teaching us this morning. But before we get into it, let me pray for us one more time. God, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the warnings, for the instruction. God, as we, even as we study this morning, we're reminded that the more things change, the more things remain the same. And God, um, our greatest enemy, Satan, tries to infiltrate the church through false teaching, through false teachers. And he's been doing that from the start. And, and God, yet your church stands. And you are building your church. And though Satan would come against it, Lord, you have your way over and over and over again. But Lord, you've called us to be wise. You've called us to be alert, to be aware. And we're going to see that this morning as we look at your word. And, and God, we pray that you would help us to heed this instruction. That God, we would not be found to be those who are naive that we would not be found to, those, to be those who um, are deceived. Lord, I thank you for the people that you've brought here this morning. I thank you that you know every heart. And God, we would pray that as your word goes forth, that Lord, it would penetrate our hearts. That Lord, we would not just be hearers of your word, that we would be doers of your word. And that we would leave here differently than what we came in because of your grace, because of your mercy towards us, and because of the power of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, would you speak through this preacher now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so everyone needs the Bible. Go ahead and lift up your hand if you somehow forgot your Bible this morning, or maybe you don't have one. That's okay. Keep the one they're going to give you, but everyone slip up your hand. If you don't have a Bible, let's have it together. We, as we're going to see this morning, super important that this is seen as our authority. It is our authority. So we all need to look at it together this morning, Romans chapter 16, and we're going to be looking at just verses 17 through 20. 17 through 20. Let me read. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As we study this morning, we're going to see four actions needed in the church to protect ourselves when attacked. Four actions needed in the church to protect ourselves when attacked. The first is this, be alert. Be alert. The crisis is real. Be alert. The crisis is real. Again, verse 17, I appeal to you. This word here is parakaleo. It is to plead for. It is to request earnestly. In other words, this isn't just kind of Kind of like, you know, whatever. You know, this kind of some offhanded, hey, you might want to get around to this. This is like, like, listen up. Take heed to what I'm saying to you, brothers. Again, this word of affection, brothers and sisters. I want you to hear what I'm trying to tell you. There, there is an enemy that is coming at you. Now, it's interesting. If you read every letter that God has given us from Romans right through to Jude, you, what you will see is that in every one of those letters, there are warnings that there are false teachers coming. All of Paul's letters, that highlights the fact that there are false teachers out there. Jude highlights that there's false teachers out there. John highlights that. Peter highlights that. Like maybe we should wake up church and understand that there are false teachers in the church. But just since it began, right? 
Like, like sometimes we think, oh man, it's so bad in 2020, like 2022, whatever year it is. We have to, like, we have to, you know, we, 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 gotta, we gotta wake up and, well, yeah, we need to wake up, but we've always needed to wake up. And Paul's saying to the church in Rome, you guys need to be aware of the fact that there are people who are coming to cause divisions and create obstacles. Ultimately, they're sent by Satan. That's why they come into the church. They are messengers of him. We should not be surprised that, that Satan, who walked into the perfect Garden of Eden to deceive Eve and Adam is also coming into the, our, our churches. He, he's trying to infiltrate our churches so that he can twist the truth just as he did in the Garden of Eden, right? Did God really say? Do you really know? Maybe you don't really understand. I don't think you really understand what God's word was saying to you. Let me elaborate to you what it really means. And deception happens. You know, when I was younger, I, I, I was pretty naive to the fact that there could be bad people in the church. Like, I knew we were all sinners, but, but like, for, for somebody to come into the church with, like, false motives and to, like, try to gain power from themselves or to destroy the church, like, that wasn't not on my radar. I think part of it was my perception of church is, like, I mean, if you're going to go through the pain of coming to church, like... You, you got to be all in, you know, like when you could be out golfing or, you know, watching the game or whatever. I mean, you, you, you got to be a, a true believer to want to go to church, right? Nope. And, and there's, there's wolves in sheep's clothing. There's the goats and the sheep. Like we see these analogies used throughout the New Testament. And we need to be aware. And Paul says this, watch out. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. There is a doctrine that has been taught that is the word of God. That he's saying, like, you need to stand firm in it. You need to cling to the truth of the book because there's going to be people who are going to come and they're going to teach you that, that what you've been taught is not true. They're going to twist the word of God. And when that happens, divisions happen. We enjoy unity in the church simply by this, by the fact that we all say, thus saith the Lord. As soon as I start saying, thus saith Trevor, then it's like, well, it's Colin versus Trevor. Who's right? Both are wrong, if that's the case, right? It's the thus saith the Lord that keeps us unified. And when we start allowing false doctrine to come into the church, it causes division. It causes obstacles to our faith from us growing as we ought to grow. One of the popular things, as I've already mentioned, it's just, you know, wrapped up in, in new deceptions but like, can we really understand the word of God? That's a popular thing. Can we really understand it? You know, God is this kind of, he's so big, you know? you know. Yeah, he's big enough to write a book that you can understand. He's big enough to write it in such a way that it's clear. Now I get it. There's a lot of stuff in here. You're like, I don't really like it. It's kind of against our culture. Oh yeah, ever since the beginning, the world versus God, Satan versus God. That's the whole point. And God has been really clear on what his word says. But what happens within the church is we, we do feel that pressure from the outside and we're like, we're just kind of tired of feeling like we're on the wrong team here. Like, you know, so... You know, we're just, I've been studying and it's just amazing. You know, we've come up with a new understanding of some of these verses. And, and, and you know, sure, for 2,000 years of church history, this is what everybody's understood, but we've got a new understanding. Leave a church that would say that and run, right? 
What is he saying here? Hold to the word that has been taught. Somebody else starts coming on and telling you, oh, no, 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 actually it's changed. And the crazy thing is that, that the blindness and the deception of Satan is that we don't understand, like, isn't it, isn't it interesting how the church always changes to look just like the country that they're in? And this is Satan's tactics. He's been doing it all along. He did it in the Old Testament as well, right? It starts by twisting, twisting, twisting. Okay, let's just compromise a little bit. Let's just compromise a little bit more over here. And then gets to the point where this is not even existent anymore. Case in point, Israel. Doesn't go great for Israel, right? I mean, they got like two minutes where things are going well for them. And, and there's this, this continual rebellion against God. Things get so bad that there's a king by the name of Josiah that comes along. And Josiah is a godly man, which is a miracle if you understand their culture at that time. But God has his hands on him, and he's a godly guy, and he's like, hey, the temple needs an upgrade. It's like, it needs to be cleaned up. It needs to, like, this is where we worship God. And they're cleaning up the temple, and we read in 2 Kings 22 that, that, that they are, oh, wait a minute, we found a book. And they read the book and they're like, huh, this is pretty amazing. What was the book? It was the Pentateuch. It was like the first five books in the Bible and they didn't even know it existed anymore. And so they take it to King Josiah and they read it before him and listen to what he says after he has, he's heard, he has, after he's heard it, he says this to them, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. I mean, things are so bad, they don't even know the wrong that they're doing because there's no, there wasn't even a book to show them. I mean, you want, you want to see how bad things can get. Just, just go on the United Church's website and see what they say about the Word of God. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's a book given to us, but we don't hold to any creed or doctrine. Like, we don't tell you to do that. Like, just, just, just read it. Well, what's the point? If this is not the authority, they, they, I mean, if, they, if the Lord allows that, that, and I would say this loosely, church, to exist still, um, I don't think they're even going to bring the Bible out anymore. Except, well, it can be used for deception. Just as what? Just as Satan did with Jesus. Do you, do you know in Matthew 4, the things that he tempts Jesus with, he's quoting scripture? And so wicked men will say, oh yeah, no, we're biblical. Let me read a verse for you. And they'll use it to promote their wickedness. We have to be aware that this danger is continually happening, happening in our churches. Uh, the United Church, for example, do you think it started out like that? It did not start out like that. It was great. It's a great church. But over and over and over again, what we see this tendency is we start out really solid and as the decades go by, we're not so solid anymore. What happened? People weren't watching out. They weren't on guard against false doctrine. And as a result of that, the whole thing falls apart. How does this happen? Two different ways, ultimately. Either by adding to the scripture, right? I mean, sure, there's a lot of good stuff in here. But here's, here's 10 more rules that you should follow if you really want to you really want to get in to heaven, right? Don't, don't go to a movie theater. Don't, you know, don't play cards. Don't, you know, whatever. And, and oh, by the way, you need to do all these other things if you want to be saved. Like you, you got you to gotta go to the priest. You got you to, gotta, you, gotta, you know, pay extra tithes. You, got, you know, like that, that deception takes away from the true gospel. Or we take away. We take away. You know what? Sexual sin, not a big deal. God doesn't care that, it, that, you know, that he, in, from the beginning of the foundation, he said one man, one woman for life. 
he's kind of, that, that was old, antiquated. We can do whatever we want sexually. God knows our hearts. It's okay. He's a loving God. Now, he's a loving God and showed us that it's one man, one woman for life, or you're in sin. And choose to sin, choose to suffer. So, so all kinds of adding, taking away, and what, 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 what Paul says, what, what should we do with someone who would come in, who would teach us these things? Debate them? Is that what it says? It says avoid them. Avoid them. Have nothing to do with them. If I, if I started doing that from this pulpit, I started teaching things that are not in the scriptures, you warn me, the elders who come along warn me, say, look, you get up next Sunday and you say, I got that wrong, and you repent, or see ya. That would be the options. Now, like, well, you know, Trevor, he's such a nice guy. You know, you know, he, he, you know, he used to teach the word, and so I guess we should just keep him on as our pastor. You know, I can see where he's coming from. We just pragmatically, you know, like, maybe we'll reach more people if we just kind of compromise. Like, that's the worst thing that could happen. Like, bye. See ya. Praying for you. We are praying for you. Let's just continue to use me as the analogy, Okay. Should you hate me as I'm going out the door? Is that, is that, would that be something scripturally you should be doing? No, your heart should be broken. And you should be praying for me. If this was something I was to do, you should be praying for me that I would repent. We pray for our enemies. We, we pray for, 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 for everyone. We, we love everyone. We want to see those people reconciled to God. It's not our job to hate those who are false teachers. Our job is to cry out to God on their behalf and asking God that he might grant them repentance because there's going to be a special judgment for those who are false teachers. So, but our job is to avoid them. If someone comes into the church and they call themselves a believer and they're walking in unrepentant sin, then the church is to remove them from their midst. Why? Because a little leaven Verse, uh, Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You will destroy the church if you allow that dissension, that, that falsehood to remain within your church. Just think of it as cancer, that it will just, uh, it'll just spread throughout it and it will destroy the church. I thought Cranfield, he says it well in regards to just thinking about our hearts towards those who are false teachers. One may keep away from the, um, from the influence of a false teacher without hardening one's heart against him. Jesus himself used strong words to denounce opponents while weeping over the obstinacy of Jerusalem, right? I mean, Jesus didn't mince his words against the false teachers, against the Pharisees, but he still wept over Jerusalem about the judgment that was coming to it. Stern words of warning are not incompatible with a heart of love and compassion. So we stand firm on the word of God, but we also cry out that God might be merciful to those who are false teachers, but stay away from them. So we need to be alert. Second thing we need to do is be aware. Be aware, the consequences ruin. Why, why make a big deal? Can't we just like, you know, sing Kumbaya and all get along together? Like, no, we, we can't do that because the consequences ruin. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ. Listen, they're going to tell you they are. They don't come wearing like, you know, the ball cap, I'm a false teacher. We understand that, right? They, they, they're, they're, they're deceptive. They're trying to make you think that they really are representing God. And they say enough that is true to kind of make you think that they are true, right? Like, how is it they win people over? How is it that a church goes from being really solid to not representing Christ anymore? How does that happen? It comes through people saying they are serving the Lord Christ, but they're not. Instead, it says what? 
They're serving their own appetites. It's, it, Paul uses the same analogy in, in Philippians 3, 18 and 19. Again, just if you uh, want to write these verses down and look at them for yourself later, but th- Philippians 3, 18 and 19, he says this, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And ultimately, that's what these false teachers are. They are self-serving. They will say whatever they want in order to try to gain power and influence over you. They, they, they oftentimes, you know, it's like, I just had a vision. God wants you guys to all give money so that I can fly on a private jet for the glory of God. Right? How does that work? But how many people do they deceive? Hey, 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 guess what? If you want to be rich like me, all you got to do is give more to the church. And they, and they fool Tons of people. And they get their jets. And they look, it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy. See? See? If you just do what I tell you to, you could be like me. False teachers who only are seeking to serve themselves. That's why they're there. They got power. They got influence. It was, is it, you know, I was, I was just talking to somebody about church planning last night. He's trying to discern, like, should God, you know, should he go into church planning or not? And, I, and I, as I was talking to him last, last night, I was like, you know, you're going to need to watch out. When you're, when you're planting a church, there's all kinds of people who kind of show up. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to be part of your church plant. And what you find with those people is they have a plan for your church plant. They have a plan. They, they've tried it at 17 other churches and eventually they got moved out. But now they're going to be there with you. And, you know, they seem really nice. And, but they have, a, they have something they want. They want power and influence over a group of people. And they're hoping they can get it through your small church. So you always have to be aware. Even in the earliest days, you got to be aware that there's false people trying to come in. Again, interesting same thing happened to Israel. Shepherds who should be caring and loving and serving people were serving themselves only. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. Let me just read the first four verses there. And Ezekiel says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and with harshness you have ruled them. Look out for the self-serving pastor. The self-serving elder. They have no place in Christ's church. And so if you have someone come into the church who's like, you know, like, you could just see it. They're not there for the church. They don't care. There's no cross in their serving of Christ. There's no dying to self. They're just using and manipulating people for their own ends. It happened in the Old Testament, and Christ Christ is warning us that it can happen here, even in our church. So be aware If they're not removed, they will do serious damage to the church. Says here, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Smooth talk. Man. I I don't know what we learned today, but he was a great communicator. Man, it was so entertaining. I didn't even know that 20 minutes were up, you know. It was just, you know, and I felt so good about myself afterwards. 
You know, I just needed that. Somebody to tell me I'm a great person. That was good. That was just really good, you know. And, and now I'm ready to go off to my job and it'll be great to come back again next week. No conviction of sin. No, no, no telling you the bad news so that you can understand the good news. Smooth talk. Tickling your ears to let you hear what you want to hear. You know, the world's depressing enough. We just need some good news, you know? So come on in. Smooth talk. Flattery. Flattery. Who doesn't like to be flattered? Anybody? Like, no, please, please stop. Please stop flattering me, right? It's so easy for us to want to hear those things. You wonder why churches get off... The, 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 the play from the place that they should be, it's because of this. Because of the smooth talk of someone. You need to be discerning. Every Sunday, I don't care where you're going to church, this church, someone else's church, you're just visiting, open your Bible every Sunday. Are what this, is what this guy's saying actually biblical? It's actually in the scriptures or not? Because somebody calls himself a preacher or a pastor, do not believe them. You look at the scripture to see if it is true. These people are being deceived. Why? Because they're naive. They're naive. They're led to believe lies rather than the truth of the word of God. They're not, they have not been alert. They're not aware. Moose says this, those who are not on, on the watch for these people and do, who do not listen closely enough to what they are teaching might be led astray and into ultimate spiritual ruin. Sadly, there are still many naive people even in our city today. They're attending churches who are not teaching the truth of the word of God. Best case scenario, you're still in the faith, but you're sipping on the milk for the entire life and you are a babe in Christ. You never mature. That's your best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that you're attending a church and you never hear the gospel. You think you're a good person. You never understand that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior and you went to church your entire life and never heard the gospel and you go to hell. That would be the worst case scenario. We need to be discerning. We need to help the naive. And it's hard. I know, um, you know, so a lot of you guys are like, hey, you know, where, where are you going to church? You know, hey, you should maybe, maybe come check out our church. You know, I'd love to just, you know, like, we just, we're just going through the book of Romans. We're just going through this book, you know, you just, and they're kind of like, I don't understand the difference between our church and your church. Like, we sing songs, a guy gets up, speaks to us. It's the same. Isn't it the same? But sadly, a lot of times it's not the same. I have told you guys so many times this story, but I'm, I'm here because of churches that didn't preach the word of God. As God would have it, every time I would come back from California, where it was nice and warm, perfect weather all the time, I'd go to church here and I would leave very, very angry. Why did I leave angry? Because the pastor didn't open the Bible. Just open the Bible, preach it. The word of God never returns void. But sadly, there's a lot of churches in our city, they're not opening the scriptures. Or when they do, it's twist, 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 twist. And what you're hearing in the church is no different than what you're hearing in the world. And God's saying, listen, wake up. You, you can't 
You have to be aware that this is happening. You, you have to understand the consequences that, that it will result in spiritual ruin if we do not take heed. So we're watching, we're, we're listening. God, is this true, what you're saying? We, 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 we need to grow and not be naive. Be naive. And, and how do we do that? Well, thirdly, you need to be astute. Isn't that a great A word? Okay, astute. You see what I'm doing here? Be alert, be aware, be astute. You need to, you need to the corrective is truth. The corrective is truth. How do, we, how do we stand against wickedness? How do we stand against falsehood? The, the only way to do that is through the word of God, guys. That's it. And so we must know it. He, he, Paul begins by saying, listen, your obedience is known to all. Like, guys, you're doing well. You're, you're really doing well. And I rejoice over you. Like, like he, he, he's encouraged by what he's hearing, and, and, and I just want you guys to know that, that you're, you're having an impact. We go back to Romans 1.8. They were having a really positive impact for, for God's people. And, 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 but he's saying, listen, I want you to be wise as to what is good and, and innocent as to what is evil. How are we going to stand for truth? How are we going to guard against this happening? It is we have to be wise, how do, we, how, do we, how do we gain this wisdom? It's through the word. He says this in Titus 1.9. He's talking about the believer. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke, rebuke those who contradict it. If you and I want to be able to stand, we must know the word of God well. We, we need to study it. We can't just take someone else's word for it. We have to study what God's word says. We have to be like the Bereans. And, and, and you know, when they heard something taught, they're like, does it line up? Does it line up with the truth like, of God's word? As taught. What does that tell us? There is a truth that is discernible. There is a truth that is knowable. This is not some kind of obscure, like, I don't know, hopefully we're kind of, you know, some, no, it's just follow it as taught. Follow it as taught. Again, going back to the Philippians passage, he's warned them about the false teachers there. What does he tell them to do in Philippians 4, 8, and 9? He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The same is true for you and I today. If we are going to be able to stand against the onslaught of deception and wickedness, we have to know the Bible. How are we doing with that? Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The best way to do that is for you to think that you're on the right, right path when you're on the wrong path. And the only way to discern that is by knowing this book. What's your plan? How are you doing? How are you studying the Bible on a daily basis? How are you growing so that when the, when the, when the falsehood comes, you're like, seeing it, I've seen that coming from a while, that's falsehood. The only way to know the falsehood is to know the truth. You've heard that illustration, I'm sure. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know the, the, the illustration of how do, you, how do you know a counterfeit? It's by studying the real thing. You study the real thing so that when the, the counterfeit comes, you can easily identify it. And you and I have to be men and women of the word or you will be deceived. You want your children to be able to stand the onslaught of, of deception coming the way, you got to get them into their Bibles. You have to teach them well. Not, not just like little cutesy Bible stories. You got to say, listen, this is what the Bible story is, and this is what the lesson is for our lives as a result of that. This is how we stand for truth as a result of what God's Word says. 
We have to show them that this is how we stand, is through the word of God. And I just want to exhort you this morning. Summertime does not equal no Bible time. Don't come wandering in here in September gaunt because you haven't fed spiritually all summer long. This is the time of year as Canadians where we're tempted to let our guard down in regards to truth. So have a game plan in your family. How are we gonna, how are we gonna do that? Okay, we're going camping for three weeks, awesome. When's the Bible study happening in your family time together? When are you doing that? Have a plan. When the church offers opportunities to go deeper in your walk with Christ, take those opportunities. The summer, for example, family camp. The, the theme this year are lies we believe. We're going we're gonna to have three different sermons on that. Come. This will be a great time of fellowship. Great outdoors. Okay, we're going to be sending you a video on uh, Whispering Pines. You'll get to see a little bit of what that camp looks like up there. But, but make a plan. Say, you know what, we're going to go camping anyways. Let's make it up there. Let's get to know some other people in the church and then at the same time be fed spiritually so that we might be wise and discerning as to the falsehood that's out there. So be wise to as what is good and then innocent as to what is evil. Innocent as to what is evil. What does that mean? I like the way J.B. Phillips translates it. Not even to be beginners in evil. Like, like we don't need to learn about evil. I remember being in college and, and like, you know, like if you really want to reach the youth, you got to watch the movies they're watching and, and listen to the music they're listening to so you know how to, to reach them. Bogus. It's ridiculous. Do you think that I wasn't being impacted by that? Like I'm somehow impervious to evil coming at me and I don't soak it up in any sort of way? We, we don't need to know evil. We need to know the word of God. I don't need to watch the, the, the favorite false teacher on Sunday morning uh, on the TV in order to understand how to refute him or her. I just need to know the word of God. This is the whole point he's saying here. You don't need to learn about that. You just know the word of God so that when the, when the falsehood comes, you can stand. Boyce says this, we are to know about evil, but we are not to know everything about it. Like, for sure. Know that it's out there. Know that it's coming at you. But we don't need to immerse ourselves in it. Instead, we must fill our minds and hearts with what is good, with the doctrines of this letter, for example, and be on guard against those who would lead us from the simplicity of what has been taught to the deception of special revelations, new insights, novel doctrines, or movements that bow before a human teacher rather than glorify God. And so we... We don't need to immerse ourselves in our culture to reach the lost. We need to know the word of God. So have a plan. It's interesting as, you, as you're thinking about the, the, this, these false teachers. What, is, what are we taught here? Uh, Stott has three questions coming out of these three, three verses. Verse 17, when the guy is teaching, does it agree with scripture? Or is it some twisted version? Secondly, does it glorify the Lord Christ or does it glorify man? Thirdly, does it promote goodness or does it promote evil? If you got a guy who checks off any of those boxes, then you need to remove him from being your teacher, from being an elder. So be alert, be aware, be astute. Lastly, be anticipating. The culmination is triumph. The culmination is triumph. Look at it, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. How many sing that camp song? You guys know that song? Why? Like nobody. There's only like, there's like three of us, I think, who sang that song. You know, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Okay, there we go. Okay, there's a few people that have heard that song, right? And then you... Stomp, right? That was how the song went. It's kind of 
kind of a silly song, but the truth of it is, is that Satan's run has a limit. And why bring up Satan here? Because as I said at the beginning, he's the one behind all the false teaching. He's the one behind all the twisting of truth. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy Christ's church. That's his goal. Sadly, so many people buy into Satan's lies. Oh, you know, it's going to be good for me if I, you know, I just need to figure out who I am. I just need to, I just need to, you know, have some freedom away from religion, away from his word. You know, it's going to be so good for me. And he laughs as you put yourself through all kinds of hurt and, and evil and wickedness in your life. But his time is short. His time is short. It's interesting here that really we're going right back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15. The promise there when, they, when the curse was given out, God said, I will put enmity between you and the women. He was talking to the serpent. He was talking to Satan and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his, bruise his heel. Satan's defeat is certain because Christ has come. He has already delivered the death blow to Satan. And now it's just a matter of time. He knows he's a defeated foe, but he's going to take as many people down with him as possible. But there is a day coming soon where he will crush Satan under your feet as his people. You will enjoy the victory. God will do it, right? God will crush Satan, not you. Not you. That you and I against Satan, no, nah, it doesn't work, right? You're going to get pummeled every time. He is more powerful than you. But God, there's no contest. He will crush Satan. And again, there's this certainty in this. Stott says it here. He has already been decisively defeated, but he's yet not yet conceded his defeat. The fatal blow was given at the cross. And the next major event to happen on God's calendar is Christ's return when evil will finally be dealt with once and for all. We read this in Revelation 20 when, when there's this, this last battle. The people are, are coming against God and it says they, the enemies of God, marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the and where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is, will be Satan's end. The end of the curse is coming. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more, no more pain. There'll be no more division because Christ has first come. How could we be freed from Satan? How could we be freed from his deception? Christ had to come. It says in Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is what Christ has done. He's triumphed over his enemies over by, by coming and dying on a cross for you and I. His blood purchased our redemption our freedom from Satan. And everyone who puts their hope and trust in him can be freed from Satan. And instead of serving him, now you get to serve God, the Father, who is good, who brings life. The God of peace will do this. Like God of peace crushing Satan. Like when you maybe like use God the warrior will soon, like a God of peace. Why? Because there is no peace apart from God. And ultimate peace will come when Satan is finally crushed because there's no longer going to be any division. There'll no longer be any opportunity for temptation because we will be all one in him. And when Satan is defeated, it will go back to the garden and it will be just this perfect peace with God. Peace with him, peace with one another, peace within ourselves when he is finally defeated. And then he ends with this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 
between now and that day when Satan is finally defeated, we need his grace. We need his help each and every day. If we are to not be deceived, if we are to stand strong, if we are to continually be sanctified, we need his grace. That's how the grace that saved us is the grace that is continuing to save us and the grace that will save us. We all need his grace. We need his mercy. We look to him. We're under attack. Do we understand that? We need to be alert. We need to be aware. We need to be astute. We need to be anticipating in order that we might stand strong for him, that we might be unified, and that we might bring glory and honor to him. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, we're so thankful for this time together this morning. We thank you for your warnings, God. Lord, you've, you've given us Satan's playbook of how he would try to destroy your church, how he would divide us. And so, God, we pray that we would continually submit to you. We pray that we would hold firm to the truth of your word, that, God, we would not let our hearts be deceived by error, by false teaching. And that, God, we would stand strong if there be anyone who had come in amongst us who would try to divide us. God, that we would stand strong, that we would lovingly remove that person for our, from our midst, that they might be saved, that they might, be, they, they might turn from their evil ways. God, protect us. Lord, we pray that you'd use this church to be a witness for you until you return. God, may there be no one who would enter this pulpit who would come and teach that which is contrary to your word. God, help us. Give us your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.